This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we hear Paul's warm letter to the Philippians and see him express joy at their faith, love, and generosity as they follow Christ. It has always been hard for me to believe that Paul didn't have favorites. And uh, part of the reason I believe that is because of the letter to the Philippians. Compared to some of his other letters, the epistle to the Philippians reads like a gushing love letter to a group of his best friends. Now, here's a question, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts off... Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Did Timothy have like some part in writing this letter? Uh, t- yeah, Timothy is with Paul as he writes this letter. So that's cool. Disciple Timothy. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I have often wanted to try to actually figure out, peel back where Timothy got placed in Ephesus. I mean, eventually when Paul will write the pastoral epistles, which is debated, but... Um, I'm going to assume that Paul did write the pastoral epistles. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to assume for the sake of our podcast that Paul wrote all 13 letters that are attributed to him uh, traditionally. And um, so uh, I've always wondered like where Timothy, like at what point in history in the writings of letters, and different things like that, did, Paul, did Timothy get placed as pastor in Ephesus? So interesting, interesting little question there. But nevertheless, uh, yeah. So Timothy's with him. And Paul has shown us uh, his tough sides and some of his other correspondences to the Galatians. He was astonished. He was perplexed and he was furious. To the Corinthians, he was confrontational and prophetic, demanding his voice be heard as a voice amongst the apostles. But to the Philippians, Paul has nothing but joy in his heart. Go ahead and read us uh, some of the opening stuff here, Brent. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Paul seems to go in and out of praise and encouraging exhortation. Paul will let his joy spill over into a charge for the Philippians to keep being all that God called them to be. Brent? And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And again... Before the chapter is out, we find another round of praise and encouragement. Brent, we're still in the first chapter here, right? Yep. All right, give us some more. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Yeah, it's more joy. And Paul's going to, at that point, talk about like, oh, I even struggle to figure out like, do I want to die or do I want to live? Do I want to go be a Jesus or do I want to remain here in the midst of the struggle with all of you? Like, there's joy. And he's going to talk about some other things. Uh, but uh, he's got he's got more joy followed by this passage. Go ahead. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. So this exhortation flows into chapter two, like all of this encouragement 
Uh, it's one of the better known passages of Philippians uh, chapter two. Paul encourages them to have the mind and humility of Christ, who did not consider divinity something to be held on to, which is the Greek word there, held on to, grasped, held on to, but was willing to become a servant. Paul encourages them to live lives that are worthy of such a master and imitate their teacher and Lord. We've talked about this passage several times in the podcast before, yeah. uh, through the Gospels, talking yeah. about the nature of Jesus as God or or yeah, how he operated in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, quite a handful of times in session three we wrestled with, you know, what did it mean that? I'm reading a really good book. Ooh, can we add a book to our show notes? Absolutely. <sighs> I'm only a few chapters in, but I have a feeling it's going to be good. I do not agree with all the nuances. I don't necessarily like where he lands all the time, but I just love the way he writes and I love his thoughts. Um, Robert Farrar Capone, I think that's how you say his last name, uh, died in 2013, but Robert Farrar Capone, former uh, Episcopalian priest, he wrote a book called, actually it's a, it's three, it's a trilogy, but it's contained in one volume called Kingdom Grace Judgment, I believe. Kingdom Grace Judgment by Robert Farrar Capone. Uh, but he wrestles right, right within, I, I don't know, chapter five, chapter six. Into the book, he wrestles with this, the humanity of Christ and how Christ operates as, and I thought, man, we talked a lot about that in, in, uh, in Bema. So I love that a little book we can plug for our readers there. Love Capone's work. Uh, some of my favorite quotes are coming from Capone's books. So just love the way that he words things, even if I don't agree with every little conclusion or nuance like it. So yeah, so Paul's encouraging the Philippians to live lives that are worthy of such a master and imitate their teacher and Lord. He tells them to work out their salvation in fear and trembling and do everything without grumbling and conceit. In a similar call to the one given to the Ephesians of last podcast, uh, Paul seems to be reminding them that if they don't have love for each other, they're going to have very little to say to the world around them. Paul then calls the church in Philippi to imitate him as he's asked many of the other churches to do. He invites them to join him in rejoicing no matter their circumstances. As far as the context to the church in Philippi, I'm not aware of too many scholars who see the Philippian uh, church as a, as a large or a powerful body of believers. In fact, the text would seem to suggest the opposite. This might not surprise us if we read about the church's humble beginnings in the book of Acts, but it would appear that the body of believers here is small and possibly quite poor. However, this does not mean that they are weak. Consider Paul's words in the last chapter. Brent, go ahead and read us some chapter four. One, before we jump down there, I just want to point out, it seems like Paul has not been to Philippi at this point. Yeah, it, it, it says, would seem that whether way. whether I come and see you or, or only hear about you in my absence. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're skipping over my favorite, my favorite verse. Hey, throw it in there. Do it. Verse eight. Okay. Of Do chapter it. four. Yeah. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice very discipleship style. Uh, yeah thing there and and the god of peace will be with you yeah i like I love, it i love that passage brent just going going rogue right there i, I have, like that yeah, well. for all of our listeners that are like but you're skipping over my favorite passage well yeah, yeah. you got to become a co-host of my podcast <laughs> to be able to do that sorry yeah, yeah just show up and, and we'll see uh 
We'll throw you in the closet and you can That's right. grab a mic. That's right. All right. Uh, okay. So um, verse 10 of chapter 4. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to, sh- to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Perhaps the most uh, quoted out of context verse in the entire scriptures. Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, listen to all this joy. More joy from the Apostle Paul. Paul speaks to them about having little and finding contentment. He seems to hint at their current position and his amazement at their willingness to help, even when they lack. He recalls how other churches struggled to support his work, even wealthy churches like the one in Corinth. And uh, you may remember we got to hear the other side of the coin. Uh, No pun intended there. Um, but, But Paul really accusing Corinth of not supporting his work about how he had to work for himself because they wouldn't even support him. Uh, They seem to be unwilling to give there in Corinth. But this body of believers has shared out of their own provision more than once. Paul brims with appreciation and healthy pride in the way that they understand the kingdom. He prays God will pour out his blessing on them for how they have been willing to bless others. In the midst of all the harsh words, tough exhortations in Paul's letter, I have always found the letter to the Philippians encouraging. My prayer has often been that I would do my part and belong to a body of believers who stands on their shoulders well. One of the one of the verses that we'll end up hearing out of the book of Hebrews is that only together with us would all their work be made perfect. And that there, there is uh, talking about all those people in the hall of faith, all those believers that have come before, all those people that have run after God and run the race and all those people that come before us. They they did all that. Their life of faithfulness was all done so that only together with us, Hebrews will say, will their work, their faith, their life, their obedience, their faithfulness, only then will it be made perfect. And and sometimes I think about that verse as I think about the church in Philippi, which apparently at this point in history just made Paul just warm feelings, Paul gushing with appreciation at who they are were the small little congregation. I often think I want to be able to stand on their shoulders well and uh, uh, the faith that they apparently had. I want to imitate that kind of faith in the churches that I belong to as well. I guess the imitation theme, yeah, the imitation is like all throughout chapter two and then it shows up again in, in four, what I read there, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Absolutely. Yeah, heavy discipleship talk. Um, like you pointed out, heavy rabbinic talk, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, 
this this whole idea of I'm following Jesus as best as I can, and you can look to me as your flesh. You know, we got to we got to look to Jesus. Some of the apostles might say uh, to be our flesh and blood, like the Jesus. Well, we don't have that today, but I will be your faulty, flawed human. But but follow me because I'm going to do my best to follow hard after. What Christ. would the Greek understanding of discipleship be like? Obviously, on the, right. no, on that's the a Jewish really good side, there's the rabbinical system. Yep. What what does that look like on the Greek side? Are they going to have any any idea what that looks like? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, on, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of how how easily they're going to make that connection. But yes, like uh, if you think about the philosophers, like the true teachers like the best of the best teachers and students, even they had a very similar system, Plato and, uh, it wasn't Aristotle. Boy, I'm really showing my lack of awareness in Greek philosophy. I always get them mixed up. Yeah, I know. Me too. There's Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and everybody followed everybody and disagreed with everybody. And, but that, yeah, you would have, uh, you would have the teacher and then you would have the student and that student in the Greek world, it's more about the philosophy. It's a little bit more about the data. That would be somewhat unfair, but you get the idea. In the rabbinic world, it's a little bit more about the do, the behavior, the thinking. Like if we go all the way back to our slideshow in episode zero of Bema, like all the way back, uh, you'll see those differences. But But similar enough that we can definitely have a conversation. We're not talking like – we may be talking apples to oranges, but we're not talking – Apples to cats. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope not. That was a great metaphor right there, wasn't it? <laughs> it works. Very platonic of me. Yeah. Well, spoiler, we're talking about Plato next episode, right? Ooh, yes, we are. All right. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's shut this one down then. We'll give give the listeners a nice short episode for today. Yeah, where's, where's your uh, giving me a hard time this week, huh? Hey, well... Yeah. I, I delivered. I, I think, Solomon, I, think I threw a few extra things in there that, you know, a yeah. few, few bonus points. All right. There we go. All right. Well, uh, you can go to BaymontStableShip.com uh, to get in touch with us. Uh, join our Slack group. It's, it's a great little community of people who don't otherwise have a discussion group. Uh, we're, we're always chatting about the new episodes and, and old episodes and other random things. So it's great. Join our Slack. Um, otherwise... Thanks for joining us on the Baymall Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.